0: I think um, life isn't all a bed of roses, and you have to take the good and the bad together, and it's part of the test of life, and regardless of what you're given in life, you know, what what you're born with or what you're given in life, it's up to us to make the best of it. (laughs) I don't know, really. Um... I think hard times make us better people, so putting us through hard times makes us stronger. If God wanted us to be like a bunch of perfect little plastic flowers, all completed, mission accomplished, bad things wouldn't happen to good people. But in order for us to develop, to develop, in order for us to understand the difference between good and evil, for us to be able to choose between them, sometimes bad things do have to happen to good people. I think God's trying to put a test on somebody else that's actually strengthens them. We've been asking ourselves that question for a long time. Yeah, we have. Don't really know. It's, it's all part of you. a master plan, you know? It's part of God's plan. You know? Every, everything that happens is just part of his plan. So, just got to embrace it. It's a part of life. Yeah, bad things happen. People have free will. I mean, you can't control everything. Well, when they're unlucky and people... Uh, depends. Depends. Lots of reasons, why people bad luck when they uh, uh, that's a different question but yeah I guess bad luck and sometimes well sometimes it's your fault too God didn't say life is going to be fair it's, if, you're, if you believe then everything will work out in the end if you don't Then you have to take what comes. Good morning. I think it was 1906, and the people of San Francisco were living their lives just as they normally would when the world around them began to shake. It was the greatest earthquake to date in a major city. It shook the buildings, it shook the ground. There were feet and feet of glass on the streets that had come down from the buildings. Different sections of the city were engulfed in fire. People were dying everywhere. And I'm sure they were asking the toughest question, why? I think that's the hardest question to answer out of any of the ones that you learn, who, what, when, where, why. I think why is the toughest to answer most of the time. Why? Why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? September 11th, 2001, people asked the question, why? Why did this happen to the thousands of people that died? Why? Just a few weeks ago at Virginia Tech, people asked the question and are still asking the question, why? Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't have any statistics to prove this, but I think that could be the oldest question of all. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because in our makeup, that question hurts. In our, in our makeup, we, we are built to search for an answer to that. So Why? We're towards the end of a series called Godcasts, answering the questions of 21st century Christians. And what we are doing during the series is is looking at five questions that I think are very relevant for Christianity today, and quite simply, for all people today. Each one of the questions that we've asked has been relevant to everyone's life so far, and today is no different. We really wanted to look at things a little more closely questions that we don't always focus on in here and this one in particular has been so up front and center in my life that this one had to be included it was asked the way i got these questions if you don't know is i asked our staff members what are some of the questions you get from the different areas of ministry that you're in and they threw out these questions and i took the most common ones and this was one of them Because it's a question we all have. I'm sure at some point in your life you have asked that. Really it boils down to a question of theodicy. Theodicy, that's a a big seminary word I learned a long time ago. And I have no idea what it means. Not really, I actually do know what this one means. Uh, Theodicy is is a balancing of three things. It's a balancing of evil exists in the world. God is all-powerful and God is all-loving. You have to balance those three things in your mind. So how do you balance them? If you look at the news, if you look at the paper, if you turn on your television, you know that evil exists in the world. You know it. You cannot turn on your TV. You cannot go out. You cannot live in the world we live in and not be aware that evil exists. So what do you do with the other two? Is it that God isn't truly all-powerful or God isn't truly all-loving? Because it, you got to balance those, right? If God is all-powerful and God is all-loving, then why does evil exist? Why does he allow the things to go on that he does? That's the question pastors get so often and Christians get so often. Well, why does your God allow that? I wouldn't ever want to believe in a God that allows the things to happen that happen in the world. You might have heard this before. The question is how do you answer it? And maybe you don't know. Maybe you're searching for the answer yourself. Maybe you've landed on the fact that yes, you do believe in an all powerful God a God that exists and created all things, and you believe that God is all-loving, and you yourself are going, then why the heck is there evil? Then what motivates the people to do what they do? What causes the natural disasters that we have? Why is there cancer? I think there's four options from my study. Four options. The first one, and pretty much all of them were there with the exception of one, in the video the first one is you've seen the bumper stickers stuff happens stuff happens we have been given free will we've been given the ability to choose for ourselves we've been given the ability to go our own path and because of that things happen we do stuff to ourselves I think one person said, you cause it. The, my friend with the black, the black backpack, you remember that guy from last week? No, 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 no. He was the no-no guy. Stuff happens sometimes. If we're expecting to have our own choice in life, if we're expecting to choose to have the ability to choose to love or not to love, then we have to get that along with it. That Sometimes things are just going to happen. The second one, I think, is that God is testing someone. God allows something to happen. One of the young men said it there. God allows something to happen for a test or for a purpose. He doesn't cause it, but he allows it to happen. He allows it to occur. He's in the mix. He knows what's going on, but he doesn't filter Another one is, I don't think this was the one that was, this is the one that I don't think was mentioned, and it's very prevalent in a lot of highly conservative Christian areas that God punishes, that God uses evil to punish. And then the fourth one that I have come down on, and I've talked about it with a lot of people and a lot of people don't agree with me on this. I don't know if it's out of fear or uncertainty. But the first three are basically God allowing something to happen. The fourth one I believe is that God causes evil. you got to understand that evil is evil in our eyes and maybe not necessarily his. But the fourth one I think is that God causes some things to happen that we at the very core of who we are see as evil, but maybe they're not. But maybe they're not. I know some of you have stopped listening right now. Some of you never listened, but that's okay. I know some of you are shaking. I saw people shaking their head as soon as I said that. I saw people's brows furrow. I'm sure I will get comments after this, but let me explain. 16 months ago, (laughs) this is a very hard sermon for me, so I apologize. I will try to think of Brett Favre and football as much as possible to move forward. Not Tony Romo, he's too pretty, Brett Favre. 16 months ago, we were Blessed with a child. A beautiful daughter named Grace. We didn't know how perfect her name would be when we chose the name Grace. But Grace has some medical issues. A lot of them. And ever since day one, in fact, even before she arrived, we've been dealing with him. And right out of the gate, Things went on. The very first day, a few hours after she was born, doctors came to us and said, There's a problem, we need to talk. Your daughter needs to have surgery immediately or she's going to die. And by the way, we can't handle it at this hospital. We need to move her across town. It took a while for Jenna and I to get pregnant in the first place. We were told by doctors that it probably would never happen. When we we're pregnant. We were excited. felt blessed. It's a joy filled day, and then it was like a knock across the face. My wife had just had a C section. She couldn't go anywhere. I was torn between my two girls. Do I stay at one hospital with my wife, or do I follow my daughter to the ICU across town? Followed my daughter. I hooked her up to all kinds of machines. She had all kinds of cords coming out of her, and I sat there and held her. First time parent, I don't know how to hold the kid in the first place, much less a kid that's plugged in. And it was painful and difficult. And over the next four days, She underwent, I thought, more tests than she could ever go through. (laughs) Silly me. And the doctors would tell us one thing after another. Well, we've noticed this. Well, we've noticed this. Well, this is wrong. Well, this is wrong. One of the things that came back to us was her hips, both of them, were out of socket. And that she would be put in a harness, and that would probably work, and get her hips back together, and we'd move on from there in a harness for three months. No big deal. She can move on from there. If you know the story, you know she's been in a body cast for six months, so it was a little different. But immediately when they said the hips were out of socket, I thought of something. I thought of Jacob. I thought of Jacob. If you've got your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 32. This is when knowing your word, knowing the text, comes in handy. When you're lost and in a dark situation, God fills your mind with the words that you have read. Fills your mind with his words. Jacob, if you don't know, was a twin. He was a twin to a brother named Esau. And Jacob, whose name means actually he deceives, was holding on to the heel of Esau as they came out of the womb. Esau being first, Jacob being second. Because Esau was first, he should have received a blessing from his father. But Jacob tricked his dad into blessing him instead, which caused a terror in the family. So Jacob fled. He lived his life. He got married twice. He had a huge family. God blessed him. And he comes back. He's coming back to meet with Esau once again. And he's deathly afraid. He's scared to death. He doesn't know what Esau is going to do to him. He doesn't know if Esau, because Jacob stole the blessing, is still so bitter that he's going to send his army out to meet and destroy him. So he butters him up by sending him stuff. He sends gifts ahead of him, cows and calves and goats and different things and gold and treasures. But he's still worried. And there's one night that they stop on on one side of a river. Verse 22 is where I am. But during the night, Jacob got up and sent his two wives, two concubines, and 11 sons across the Jabbok River. After they were on the other side, he sent over all his possessions. He's sending everything ahead of him, and he's waiting behind. He's just been praying to God to save him. God, save me. I'm going to meet Esau. I'm frightened. Move in my life. Be here for me. He sends everyone across the river. He's by himself. Verse 24, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn. When the man saw that he couldn't win the match, he struck Jacob's hip and knocked it out of joint at the socket. Then the man said, let me go, for it is dawn. But Jacob panted, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. It is now Israel. Because you have struggled with both God and man and have won. God physically touched Jacob and knocked his hip out of socket. He physically touched Jacob and knocked his hip out of socket. This was a huge moment, not just for Jacob, but for the world. Because if you know the story of Jacob, Israel, his 11 sons, he has one more. They become the 12 tribes of Israel. From them comes King David. From them comes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. From them come us all. And yet Jacob had a limp for the rest of his life. God physically did something to him that we would see as evil, that we would see as bad. And yet God did it for a bigger purpose. God did it to change the world. John chapter 9. It's the story of a blind man. I love this story A friend of ours, a good friend of ours, sent us this story when we were dealing with a lot of the stuff that we were dealing. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Teachers, disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or those of his parents? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. He was born blind so the power of God could be seen in him. I don't know if any of you are blind or know any blind people. I know one who's just one of the most amazing disciples I've ever met, who is fearless and goes into countries like Pakistan, blind, goes to Pakistan and preaches the Word of God. He wasn't born blind because of what he had done or what his parents had done. He was born blind so that Jesus could come and heal him. If you read the story a little bit later, Jesus spits on some mud, makes it up in some dirt, makes some mud, rubs it on his eyes. The guy sees. Pharisees get all ticked about this. And the guy ends up calling him the son of God. We might see something as someone being born blind, as bad, as wrong, as evil. But maybe it was so that God could get glory. The same thing happened to Paul on his way to Damascus. He's on his way to Damascus, known as Saul, to go persecute anyone who believed in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you knew this about Paul, but he was a pretty bad guy for a while. He went around persecuting, stoning the people who believed in Jesus Christ. He was one of the top Jews in the, in the Pharisee order. He was on his way to do it again, and Jesus meets him on the road, and he strikes him blind. He says, why are you persecuting me? And Paul changes at that very moment and becomes the man who carries the faith further than anyone. Three examples from the text of God doing something so that he could get glory. Of God doing something that we see bad, we see evil, but God sees something bigger. I've really been praying about this and searching a lot about this over the past 16 months. And I don't know. I could be completely wrong. It's been known to happen. It's a good thing you're sitting down. But maybe, maybe because we live in a society that no longer persecute, persecutes Christians Maybe the persecution is coming in a different form. You know, it was believed if you were persecuted for Christ's sake that that was a great thing. God grants you glory because you are strong in the faith and you are not going to back down from the things that come against you. Blessings upon you for fighting the good fight. We don't really fight much in this country anymore for our faith. We don't have to because we have the freedom to believe whatever we want. Maybe our persecution takes a different form these days. Maybe our persecution comes in tragedy and hardship. Maybe it comes in a baby girl who has all kinds of medical issues. Maybe our persecution comes in ways that we don't expect or we don't want, but I guarantee you the people who were killed for their faith probably didn't want that either. I'm sure Peter didn't want to be hung upside down on a cross. But he did it because he believed in Christ. There's no way I would want my baby Grace to go through the things she has gone through. But I know that she has changed so many people's lives. That God has changed their life through her. We've heard countless stories time and time again of people emailing us. And just hearing third-hand stories about people whose lives have been drawn closer to God because of grace. Because of a 16-month-old girl who doesn't even know what's going on in her life. Yeah, it sucks for me and Jenna. It's been tough. Our bad days outnumber our good. But there's glory behind it. But there's something better behind it. It's not something that I did that has caused Grace to be this way. It's not something that Grace has done that has caused her to be this way and to live this life. Maybe it's so that God could get glory. Maybe it's so that people could hear the story of Grace Crocker and go, that's amazing to see where God has moved in her life. She wasn't supposed to live and now she's 16 months later. She wasn't even supposed to have, We weren't even supposed to have a child. And here she is, and we're having another one in June. Maybe these things happen today to bring glory. And I'm not saying that God causes everything. I'm not saying that God is constantly moving evil in this world. But maybe from time to time, He is. And maybe if we look at it from His eyes... We begin to see it as something different than evil. We begin to see it as something different than bad. Why does someone get stricken with cancer and be healed in another knot? I don't know. I don't know. But maybe there are times... When God needs to move in a certain way And he chooses a believer Or he chooses a soldier Or he chooses someone to do it for him My wife had a great friend in college A great friend I never met her because she didn't get to graduate She was in a car wreck And Jenna spent a lot of time thinking about this and being very hurt by the loss of her really good friend. I think years later, she's come to realize how many people's lives were changed by this young woman. How many people's lives were changed, not only by her life, but by her death. I think as years have passed, Jenna has begun to see that Not as something bad Yes, it's a human loss Yes, it's an emotional loss But something bigger came from it And heck, Bonnie's in a better place anyway Why do bad things happen to good people? Tell you the truth I don't honestly know But because I have faith in a loving God I rest easy about them They're not always pretty. A lot of times they hurt deep. But if I step back and look through the lens of my Savior, I might see something different. And so I continue to come to him. I continue to be broken and fall on my knees and crawl to the cross. And rest and find peace in him. I think that's what we all need to begin to do. Don't ask the question why do bad things happen to good people? See the bigger picture of the love of Jesus Christ, of a Savior giving his life, so that we could find peace at the cross. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. For the ways that you have moved in our lives, both expected and unexpected. Lord, I ask that you would fill us with a surety of your presence in the darkest moments and in the lightest moments. Lord, I pray that you would, as you did Paul so many years ago, lift the scales from our eyes that we might see you. That we might know you. Lord, I pray that you would enter our lives. And even in those moments when we cry out, why is this happening? That we would find peace and solace and rest in you. As we continue to come to the cross. Amen.